Welcome to Made in Africa. Hello and welcome to another episode of Made in Africa. What a start to the season it's been for Tottenham supporters as Ange Postacoglu's side sit two points clear at the top of the table. I don't think many people have seen that coming, but at the heart of their success has been the partnership between Eve Basuma and Pab Sarr in central midfield. And we'll be joined by Dan Kilpatrick from Evening Standard later to discuss why the Mali and Senegal midfielders make such a good combination for Spurs. But before that, and to discuss some of the other things that have been happening with African players in the Premier League and beyond, it's time to welcome my esteemed co-host, Raman Osman. How are you, mate? Hey, good to hear your voice. You know one thing, I saw you at Palace the other day, and then now I'm going to see you at Chelsea. And before that, I hadn't seen you in six months. I'm great, though. Yeah, exactly. I, I was just saying it, it always comes together, you know, bumping into each other all the time now, having had a bit of a break. But yeah, we're getting into the winter season, so it's going to be wrapped up warm with, uh, you know, plenty of layers for the next few months. Yeah, no, for, for our 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 listeners who are always tuned in, Ed is a bit of a trouble ourselves. Everybody sees him and go like, oh, that's trouble coming up. <laughs> Well, that's that's the same for you wherever you go, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but no, actually, I'm just to go. So our first subject, I'm actually going to Luton for the first time this season um, to see Liverpool on Sunday, and uh, be a good chance to see Mohamed Salah uh, for the first time as well this season. And it, it just he came eleventh in the Ballon d'Or uh, the other day, which was a reasonable result, I suppose. I mean, some people could probably think he should at least be in the top ten. But um, in terms of African players, uh, Victor Osman was was the highest in eighth, and the Moroccan goalkeeper Yassin Bounou was was thirteenth. So, well, what do you think about that, Roman? Do you think that's a fair reflection, or do you think anyone's missing out? Maybe Mares or Mane, probably not because he hadn't didn't have the, the greatest year. But yeah, yes. and what do you think? And he, yeah, and he missed the walk. Mane missed the World Cup through an yeah. injury. Um, I think Riyad had a particularly spectacular World Cup, but he was quite good for Man City. Prior to the Champions League final, he would have been very disappointed that he didn't play in the final. He didn't start. But, I mean, you can't speak about that. The success of Manchester City last season without him. Um, it it just kind of depends on who you ask. But Mohamed Salah, for me, it's definitely top 10 players in the world. On It doesn't matter the metrics, consistency, goals, professionalism. Signed a new contract at uh, at Liverpool a couple of seasons ago and everybody thought that was going to be his last paycheck. And consequently, he had a 150 million bid from Saudi Arabia turned down by Liverpool and everybody thought he was going to kick the first. But he just started the season like the ultimate professional he is. And, and for me, he, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter what makes the top five, but I think if you ask me, Mohamed Salah is is definitely the top ten in the top ten best players in the world. Um, yeah, that yeah I can it, say. It, it's it's difficult to it, it is difficult to argue with these things because it's you know you know it comes down to a lot of yeah personal preferences I suppose. Um, but yeah, looking in the top ten, I mean Modric is tenth, Bernardo is ninth. Osimhen, as we mentioned, is eighth. Alvarez, seventh. Vinicius Junior, sixth. So those are the kind of positions that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, it's fine margins, I think. 
Yeah, Vinicius, I, Vinicius did have a good season domestically, but I don't think overall Vinicius had, especially if you factor in what multiple factors these days. Um, I agree that Liverpool did have a, a, a very average season last season, but even the average season, you look at the goals and you think that Mohamed Salah was was obviously like up there scoring goals and sometimes I think he's affecting off his own circumstances given the standards but I'll take nothing away from Vinicius and or maybe Alvarez because he won the World Cup and won the treble and, and, and all that but yeah for me yeah Mosala definitely should be in there yeah and he I think the Klopp has says some interesting stuff about him and how he could have quite a long time to go in his career rather than you know even though he's into his 30s now um you know, he was saying the other day how he really looks after himself and, and could yeah. carry on for quite a while. Yeah, and he he that he's got something that most 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 people or most players now normally you don't get in that consistency. It's quite difficult to stay at one place for a very long long time and reinvent yourself. Remember, he's playing in a different Liverpool setup now. When he first came, they had an outstanding team where the the top three was he, Firmino, and then. Sadio Mane and now the changes have happened Sadio is gone Bobby's gone and it's Salah who's now playing with what you'd call a, a much more fresher younger front line but he's still the main man and that requires him to play a different role so and again he's stuck to the season a lot of the time people talk about other players but he's such a big part of what Liverpool are and Liverpool are one of the best sides in Europe now, and then the way they've just been rebuilt, they've lost one game, and even that one game was in controversial circumstances. They had a right goal, 10, 10, 10 down, they had two men sent up against Tottenham, and all that. And so, yeah, in the end, you can make a case for other people and talk about personal preference and all that. But for me, consistency, form, professionalism, most allies up there. Yeah, I agree. I and um. Just looking at the, uh, the 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 top scorers list at the moment, obviously he Haaland is is ahead of everybody, but it's um, mm. Salah's in second with eight goals. But then mm. the next highest African player is uh, Brian Mbwemo from Brentford, and uh, you know he's he's been in great form, isn't he? Obviously with Ivan Tony not being around um, because of his suspension, but do you think he's a little bit underrated? I mean, we all, I think I've probably said that before. before. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. He's definitely underrated, but you know, everyone, everyone knows about him now, though, don't they? <laughs> Maybe no. a big move could be on the horizon for him because you know he looks like he's got real quality. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I do, I do think that. I mean, Umbuem was a lot of the time people spoke about how Tony was amazing for Brentford and 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 everything he's done but to be fair in his absence we say in Burmo have, have always showed up at difficult times and I was at the Brentford game against Chelsea and I just felt Burmo was unplayable I mean he, he did things he played like an absolute superstar against a Chelsea team who admittedly would have more quality than them and, and the way he just read the game the way he took on central defenders even when he had to to adjust his game to play against the likes of uh Thiago Sovan, or he, he, you just felt he was, was incredibly underrated. And at the big, when we had the first episode of this, this, this made in this season's made in Africa, we spoke about the the exodus of African players because obviously we had Khalidi Koulibaly leave, we had Riyad Mahrez leave, Edward Mendy leave, and we thought that oh, a lot of African players obviously have left the Premier League. But I have to mention that 
there are a lot of African players who actually excel have excelled in the first 10 games of the season. I mean, beyond Salah, look at what mm. Bisuma is doing. Bisuma is doing at Tottenham. I mean, Sa Nayaf, Nayaf actually at West Ham is having an yeah, outstanding season. Yeah, he's doing really well. Yeah. Season. yeah, you're I mean, right. The sort of, it feels like the next generation is coming, is really coming through. It does, like, it does. Even and, and, Joe but, you know, with Salah obviously still leading the way, but like, you know, as good as yeah. ever. Even Matip, Joe Matip, a lot of the time, I mean, at the end of last season, everybody was saying, oh, Matip has had, he's had enough, it's time for But if you look at Liverpool and the way they play, Joe Matip is really, really playing well. Lyle Foster is, is, yeah. is literally the, the shining light at Burnley. The same with the young Eddie Nkra at Brighton. And anytime he comes in, he shows flashes and Saul will speak in the play about now. So I mean mm. generally it's it's not been that bad. And even if 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 I was to stretch it and mention players like even Mohamed Kudus who, who who's shown in glimpses that he's an absolute superstar and hasn't had um Andrea Nana has had a very turvy start. But yeah, in the last things, two things games are going been, well I mean things are going a lot better for Anana at the moment and Kudos a big impression I think you know yeah yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you're right. It's it's quite exciting times for African players. And you mentioned Foster there. I was just going to say, he's, you know, he, since we did our podcast, he signed that new five year deal, and I think you know shows you how highly Burnley uh, uh, rate him. Yeah, and just 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 to wrap up, I know a lot of Chelsea fans listen to us, and I've got to say, a lot of people are quick to write off Nicholas Jackson and 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 all the but. There's enough in there to to suggest that he's going to be an absolute superstar also in so many ways. Maybe the goals are not coming, but people tend to forget quickly that even the mighty Didier Drogba took almost a season to settle. I remember when he scored a very important goal against Arsenal, he just stopped celebrating and said to the fans, what are you going to say to me now? I think they gave him so much stake. So there's history to suggest that normally when African players go to Chelsea and they struggle in the beginning, Eventually, on the long term, they are absolute superstars. Hey, now it's time to welcome our special guest, and we're delighted to have seasoned Spurs watcher Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard making his Made in Africa debut. Hello, mate. How are you? It's great to have you on for the first time. Welcome. Hello, lads. Yeah, I mean, I thought you'd never ask, but it's great <laughs> to be on. Pleased to be here. Yes, and Dan uh, Kilpatrick. It's yeah, been a, quite, to have quite a season so far for you and for Spurs, isn't it? I mean, well, yeah, more for Spurs. <laughs> it's been uh, has it has it been surprising for everyone? I mean, like everyone, you know, there's, there's always been decent players there, but how quickly he's pulled it together, Mister Mister Postecoglou. Yeah, it's been incredible. It's definitely been a huge surprise. I mean, I think everyone expected the football to improve, and that wasn't hard after last season because the bar was very very low given what happened under Conte. But I think most people, myself included, expected results to be really patchy to begin with and it to take a while for the players to get up to speed because he was basically reprogramming the whole squad from playing this counter-attacking defensive football to this kind of, you know, pass and move, attacking numbers, play out from the back, press high, you know, this very modern uh, form of the game. And I think that was supposed to be really hard right it was supposed to be um a really tough transition but Spurs are somehow top of the league no manager's ever made a better start after 10 games in the Premier League which is extraordinary really um and it just feels like the whole club is totally totally transformed the mood is different the style is different the people are different and it's really all stemmed from one man so Postacoglu has done an incredible job so far and yeah it is kind of scarcely believable 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to not uh, to, to not be uh, impressed by what's happening, and, and when you you know when you go to games and you go to press conferences and, and you hear him or you know hear him speaking on TV, he's very very persuasive, but also you know you're sort of just sort of the, the every man um, thing that goes down well with people, I think. But it? but and it's really great, you know, from our point of view, that the, the, there's an African core to this to this new team, and really yeah. they are playing a massive part in in the revolution, aren't they? They kind of yeah, yeah, they really complement each other very well. First of all, first of all, Papsar and Yves Bissouma. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there are so many amazing stories at Spurs. You could pretty much pick out any member of the best eleven at the moment and say, you know, wow, that's a really interesting transformation or an interesting story. But you know, none more so than than Sar and Bissouma. Really, they they both, in their own way, just been revelations. I mean. I think in the case of Basuma, we all kind of knew he was capable of that, but he was so anonymous last season under Conte and and then even Stellini and Mason um, that it, it just, it's a cliche, but he really has felt like a whole new signing for them, another new signing. Um, he's been outstanding. And I think, you know, I've, I've heard this said before, but I think it's an interesting point. You know, you look at the money that Chelsea spent on Caicedo, for example, um, you know, how much would they have had to pay for Basuma from Brighton if he was on a long contract playing like he is now? I mean, it would have been huge money. He was, he's just been outstanding. And, and then Saar, who I think everyone thought was or knew was promising and kind of talented, but just looks so raw and so inexperienced and just, just a long way from being ready to do what he's doing. You know, I don't think anyone expected him to kind of be sort of decisive every week in the Premier League and that's exactly what he's doing and um, it's testament to to kind of Postacoglu's man management and coaching that he's got these two guys from really what were quite low points for them at times last season. Um, I mean, I think of Saar coming off after 25 minutes of the Newcastle game. Mm. I mean, that must have been a really difficult moment for yeah. a young player to go from that to what he's doing now um it is extraordinary really and then obviously Basuma having a very difficult year and and being one of the best players in the Premier League as it stands yeah let's let's start with with Basuma there because I know Rahman is a big big fan and and yeah, like, yeah rightly so because he is he's, he's yeah. been he's been unbelievable this, this mm-hmm. season um I mean Rahman do you, do you want to kick off I was going to ask yeah for me I have always had that feeling that if Basuma plays to his level at Tottenham, I, I, he's easily the best midfielder in the role he plays. And I saw that what he did at Brighton. And I, I felt that last season, he just wasn't comfortable. And I I, I don't know if I told Dan Kilpatrick, because I cover Tottenham also. And then sometimes we have a chat. I think I might have mentioned it to him or Ali, that one of the reasons why Spurs were struggling is because Bisuma wasn't playing quite well. I don't know what the reason was. Might be injury, might be system, might be the manager, but... He's got this ability to actually get everyone in playing better than they are. And you can see when he plays well, Spurs play well. Dan is more in-depth in Spurs than I am. I'd really like to ask him, what's the beyond the performance on the page, what's the most noticeable change he's seen in this in Bisuma this season? Well, Pastor Coglu told this great story on Talksport a few weeks ago about how Basuma was obviously in from day one when Postacoglu joined the club. A lot of the internationals were still away, having an extended holiday because they had played football for their countries in June. But Basuma was one of the players who was there from the start, from July the 1st, 
when Postacoglu went in and and he was so sharp at the start of pre-season. He looked stronger than everyone. He looked fitter than everyone. He looked really ready to kind of make an impression. And Postacoglu said to him, you know, you can be a leader in this team. And then the next day, I think Basuma was late for training. Um, and Basuma said since that he had a flat tyre, I think, um, which is quite a kind of funny anecdote. But Postacoglu took him to one side and said, you know, being late, and Postacoglu hates people being late. He's really keen on punctuality. He's got rid of players before because they're not good timekeepers. So he pulled over Basuma and said, being late isn't the behaviour I expect of a leader. You know, we had this conversation yesterday. And, and I think... Obviously, Basuma's taken these messages to heart and, and it looks like he's gone from this guy who's like a peripheral figure on the squad who wasn't really playing, who didn't really fit in at Spurs to basically being someone who is a leader on the pitch and in the dressing room. He's not one of the captains or vice captains, but he leads by example. He's very, very prominent in the kind of celebrations after games. He's pushing players to the front. He's hugging players. He's a big character and, and he's a personality and... I think he's just coming out of his shell kind of off the pitch. And I think we've all seen his performances, but it's it's really about what Postacoglu's brought out of him as a personality that I think has been the biggest difference. Yeah, and then just to add to that, because I, I tend to speak to people closer to him also. And one of the things Postacoglu did that brought the best out of him was that when he first came in, him, everybody was talking about Chelsea going to sign Caicedo and Postacoglu called Bisuma Asadis and named about five midfielders who he thought ability-wise Bisuma was better than them. And he said to him in the conversation that if I had to pick one out of these players, I would pick you. But all of them are performing at a level. And I believe if you perform and play for me like the way I want you to, you'll be better than them. And I think just that little statement was... It's part of why this season, like Dan also mentioned, you can see that his his body language, his he's laughing more, he's smiling more, he's he's more involved in 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 what's going on, and he feels quite at home. And it was the same thing when Chris Heaton uh, got him. The first season was kind of a really struggle, but once Porter came in and made him the main man of the midfield, and people tend to forget it was only when. Bisuma went to Spurs that Caicedo actually had that great season at Brighton and eventually got that under a million move. So I still think there's still more room for improvement. He still has to get to that level where he plays like two double rules and he's done that at Brighton, even with, excuse me to say, maybe inferior players. So imagine what he can do with the kind of quality at Spurs. Well, I think obviously being sent off against Luton as well is the only kind of black mark on his form this season. And and, th- and that was quite naive, I thought. You know, Postacoglu didn't hammer him for it. He supported him in public as you would expect him to do as a manager. But he must have been really unimpressed. I mean, it was really silly. Um, he was on a booking, um, which is a bit of a tactical foul, if I remember, maybe one he had to take. And then he, and then he dived because he got frustrated because Spurs were struggling to break them down. And, you know... He's been incredible this season, but, you know, I hope that's a kind of lesson for him um, and that he kind of kicks on because he was, you know, such an important player. And I think Spurs, had they had a tougher fixture than Fulham at home after the Luton game, they would have been really regretting him doing that. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because, you know, obviously he is the the older of the two of them in the middle there. And and, and Pat Sarley will come on to now is, uh, is, is a lot younger and he's taking him under his wing and, 
I think they've both spoken about how they're looking, you know, looking after each other, and he's, you know, uh, so really important. But you know, he's only twenty seven himself, isn't he? So there's a lot of room to uh, to develop those things, and, a lot, and he's still still pretty young age, even though he's he's been in, you know, played in France and played uh, played in the Premier League for a few years now. But yeah, it's very exciting to see how they're how they're linking up together. Um, do you think? Yeah, do you think that the uh, that in what way do they complement each other? Then that's that's what I was trying to get out earlier. Um, what what who who does what in that midfield? Well, to to play for Foster Cogley's team, I mean, you, you've you've got to be extremely energetic, and and they've obviously both got that. I mean, I think the way you could put it in simple terms is Saar is the kind of runner. Like Saar's the guy that's covering every single blade of grass. I mean, he his job is to just basically basically be everywhere. Um, and I think Basuma's the guy who is the kind of the platform, like the foundation. He's the he's the midfield anchor. So, you know, most of the time when Spurs are playing out the back, he'll be the guy you can give the ball to under pressure and he'll make an opening. You know, he'll beat the opposition press, he'll wriggle out, he'll he'll find a way of getting up the pitch, and then he'll he'll kind of move the ball forward. Um you know, it's much like the job Moussa Dembele used to do for um, Pochettino Spurs. You know, he's so good under pressure that you can just feel confident that if you give him the ball and he's got two players on his back, Basuma, he's going to be able to keep it. Um, and when you're playing Postacogli's football, you, you really, really need that. Um, so I think Saar is still getting there in terms of his quality on the ball. I mean, he was quite decisive in the game against Palace the other night, Ed, you know, I was sitting next to you, so I know you were there, and I saw you too, Ram, and, and so, you know, played his part in, in both goals, but I think on the ball, he still can be a, a little bit wasteful and a little bit clunky, whereas you can't say that about Basuma, you know, he's he's very, very polished um, in possession. Um, so, I, I, so I guess that that's the kind of way they complement each other, you know, letting Saar do um, more of the kind of heavy lifting off the ball. Yeah, I mean, he gets around the pitch a lot, I and mean, he yeah, he was very impressive against Palace, uh, even though the what the the you know miss kicked the ball in front of the home fans and fans. Uh, yeah, but you know that was yeah, yeah, that, yeah that was his only sort of low light really of that game. So he's got he's got a very interesting back backstory. Obviously, he came from we were talking a little bit about this, but he came from Generation Foot in uh, in Senegal, which is uh, the same place that um, Sadio Mane and uh, Ismail Assar were both there as well. Uh, and they have a link up with Mets, but I was just looking into his his background, and he wasn't actually at Mets for very long. So it's quite a credit to Spurs that they they got him so early, and obviously it took him a couple of years before he made his breakthrough into the first team. But just the management of him, you know, as a as a young player, has been quite quite interesting the way they've done it. Yeah. You also could see, I, I think the, for me, the game he announced his ability was last season against Milan in the Champions League away. I think Tottenham had two of their regular midfielders out under then They had to play Skip and Sam. And the stakes were so high in that game. In the Champions League, it's always difficult, but going to the San Siro to play Milan is just much more difficult for a young player. And Antonio required a lot of tactical balance and his team, the discipline and things he wanted. It was more like he'd already planned what he wanted in the in the team. And Saad delivered incredibly well. And I remember in that press conference, Antonio came in and said that they, they knew straight away that he's got the ability, but they needed to fine-tune him. And I think that's what that's the point Dan 
subtle make when he speaks about his refinedness on the ball. And I see that a lot. Sometimes he just takes another second and just comes across as not, not being sure of the pass and just gives it away. And what Postikoglu has done is straightforward, made him a key member of the team. And so there's no doubt that he's part of his first 11. And normally when you say that to players, it gives them responsibility, but it gives them also confidence to know that there's the belief and trust from the manager. And for a young player, that could be bad. What I think he's also done very well, and this again is a story that a lot of people don't know, is that the whole of last season, there was that transition where his mom had to be coming in and going back from the UK. This season, I'm told that his his, his mom is here with him. He's got a couple of siblings that live with him. They come to him with game. And when he comes out, he barely speaks English or he pretends that he barely understands English and goes straight to them. And normally when you have that kind of background, you've got the backing from the manager, you've got the confidence that you're always going to be the team and the family solidity that supports you, even in good and in bad, it just makes a yard of difference on the pitch. So he's young, he's, and I repeat, there might be games where he'll still look really, really, really raw, but he's done enough to suggest that under the right manager, he's going to be an absolute year too. And there are times I just see him like literally eating up grounds and, and the speed of his thinking. And I go like this guy under the right manager, under the right guidance, good food eating, good health, no no injury is going to be an absolute superstar. If he's got his mum with him, hopefully he's getting some good Senegalese food then. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, a, it's actually a credit to Spurs, you know, that they brought this guy through and spotted his talent and brought him in so early because I think I was saying to you, Dan, you know, normally Af African players don't get to the Premier League at that, at that age and certainly not establish themselves in the first team at 21. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Spurs have been using data quite cleverly recently. Um, they've been good at finding these players who are kind of undervalued on the European market. I mean, Destiny Udogi is another one. Um, he just looks phenomenal and kind of ready-made for the Premier League uh, and was a relative snip from Udinese. Um, they've done really well to find Saar. I think Fabio Pratici, their kind of erstwhile director of football, um, had a role in that. And as you said, it was just after one season at Mets. So to kind of identify him as a signing and then send it back there, uh, I think was, <clears throat> yeah, was, was very canny from Spurs. Um, I think they wanted to send him on loan at the start of last season. Um, and then they had an injury, just like a two week injury. I can't remember if it was Hoybier or Bentacle. One of their midfielders got hurt just before the transfer deadline. And they said to Sar, you're staying. And, probably, you know, who knows how it would have worked out, but it probably would have been good if he'd have gone on loan and played another half season of football because he didn't really do anything in the first half of last season. But then, yeah, as Rahman says, he got a couple of breaks, the big one being at the San Siro when Bentacle was injured and Hoybier was suspended. Um, and you could see then, I think, that, you know, he really had something. Um, I guess just what I would say as a final point in him is playing for Conte and, and playing for Postacoglu literally couldn't be more different. I mean, Postacoglu basically says to his young players, go out there, express yourself, don't worry about making a mistake. If you make a mistake, it's all on me. I'm going to take responsibility. Whereas Conte said, go out there. This is exactly the way you have to play. Do this, follow this pattern, follow this playbook. Uh, and if you mess up on your head, be it. So <laughs> you know, it's a completely different environment now. And obviously for him and for all other young players, that's a, a huge plus. Yeah, definitely, and it, it seems it seems to be going well. I was just going to ask about Benton, because obviously there was a, you know 
after the Palace game, there was big celebrations after he came back for the um, from was it an ACL injury? Yes. Yeah. Um, at, uh, is Saar going to keep his place in the team with Bentancur sniffing around now? Because obviously he's a, he's a class act as well. Yeah, I, I mean, my view is in the short term he will. Um, obviously, Saar and Basuma are both going to go to the Afcon, which is a huge problem for Spurs. Um, and that is the point at which I think they will want Bentancur ready to start games because they'll need him. Um, but I think speaking to a few people at the club, they are, they're playing down expectations of Bentancur being back to his best kind of anytime soon. In fact, they're almost looking at the start of next season to have kind of prime Bentancur. You know, anything before then, anything he can contribute meaningfully is is kind of a bonus. But um, obviously, when the Afcon starts, they will you know need him to be playing significant minutes because they'll be their two first choice midfielders down. But I don't think kind of in the next you know few weeks or even the next couple of months that Saar has to kind of worry too much about his first team place because I think they're going to ease Bentancur back in pretty slowly. Mm. And then there's the big game coming up this week. This oh, it's on Monday, isn't it? The against uh, Chelsea, Poch. Uh, it should be really interesting. That a big. We're talking of Caicedo. Could be a big midfield battle there. Yeah, I mean it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I, I I think Chelsea are probably strongest for me, kind of in that midfield area. I mean, we know that they having problems scoring, but uh, Pochettino's teams always know how to press and I think in Fernandez and particularly Gallagher they've got two really energetic players who are pretty good pressers so it's going to be like a big test for Basuma and Saar because Chelsea will put them under a lot of pressure in there and they'll try and win the ball off them high up the pitch um, so that that's going to be a key area in that game um, and yeah just generally um, kind of fascinated to see what kind of reception Pochettino gets. I think it'll be really mixed. I think there'll be some cheers and some boos, but it's going to be a really crackling atmosphere. Yeah, it should be good. Rom, are you going to be at that one? Yeah, um, hopefully. Um, you don't miss a Chelsea just, game these days, do you? I don't. I get sent everywhere now. But I just wanted to add on the kind of reception because I think it will be a lot of boos for Pochettino in so many ways, not his fault, but just because of the way Angie has been special. And I think the support will be very loud on Angie Postikoglu's side than Pochettino's side. Um, on the midfield battle, I think, yeah, I agree, Chelsea could press and they played really well against top sides, Liverpool and Arsenal, prime examples. However, I think that Madison's creativity and just that the way they the way Sa and Bisuma complement each other is going to be a different kind of a midfield because one of the things that really made Chelsea really good against Arsenal was that because they were really pressing Jorginho. And with all due respect to Jorginho, and he's quite really good at what he's done, he's not as athletic and the way he moves the ball is not the same as Pisuma does. So in that, and, and for me, I think that it's the front line that defines that game for me. At the moment, it's hard to see a front line that is as effective as that, that of Tottenham. Son is quite little, easily back to his best there in, in yeah, Kulusevsky. And he's not getting a lot of raise, but he's, he's back to what he used to do when he first came to Tottenham, siding games, taking on players and leaving everything out there on the pitch for me. So um really interesting game with before kickoff and after kickoff, but Tottenham huge favourites for me. 
Yeah, no, and you've got to think all of this is without having, you know, used any of the Harry Kane money, isn't it, really? They haven't signed, they haven't signed a, a striker replacement, which they may or may not do. I'm sure that, and I'm sure they will have some sort of backup in future, but it's quite a very exciting times for uh, for Tottenham. Um, and, and just thinking about the, the AFCON issue then, um, it's not really been an issue for Tottenham for quite a long time because they haven't had many African players recently, but back in the day, they've had they've had quite a lot. I was just going through the annals of history, uh, Rahman. And have you got any advance on Kevin Prince Boating for the best goal oh, to play for? To play, yeah, for easily, easily in there. He was so rubbish at Tottenham, but he <laughs> recently had he recently had a really open, candid interview where he spoke about how the time at Tottenham really shaped him going forward. Because he was young. He was very 19, young, wasn't he? Yeah. And then yeah. he had a lot of money and he wasn't playing and it was getting into his head. And later on in his career, all those things shape him to become. And he's gone on yeah, to... It reminds, really it, reminds, well, it reminds me of Adel Tarats as well, who actually wasn't on my list, but is another, yeah. another good shout Moroccan. But, my, but my then there's, favorite... there's quite a few players who, you know, who had good impacts at the start and then faded. But uh, Victor Wanyama, for example, um, and then Emmanuel Adebayor was, was pretty decent. But I think one what? one that stands out actually I should mention is Benoit Asuakoto, who was uh, you know for longevity, it's pretty pretty much up, up there. But uh, Dan, can you any anyone others you'd like to mention? Maybe Freddie Canuti. I was well. just about to say Freddie Canuti. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the Velcro chest. Um, <laughs> I think he actually decided to represent Mali while he was at Spurs, which caused a bit yeah. of a problem because he was sort of French when they signed him, and then suddenly he said, oh, "I want to play Mali," and they were a bit gutted because there was an Afcon. Coming up, and he was a very important player. Um, yeah, yeah Aswakoti sticks in my mind. You know, a great character and a really good footballer. Adi Bayor was obviously fantastic when he was uh, at the races. Um, yeah, they've, they've had some, they've had some good African players. Didier Zakora, Zakora, yeah, yeah. Zakora, yeah. I never really rated Zakora. Um, he was supposed to be kind of. I think but, he was there towards the end of his his career, wasn't he? But he, when he he was uh, you know he was in that Ivory Coast thing. But yeah, also had Stephen yeah. Pino as well. Stephen Pino and Zila, and then Mab- they had and Bongani Kamali. Yeah, it's just like to say Bongani Kamali. <laughs> Harry Redknapp was always very disdainful about, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was yeah. sort of commercial signing more than um more than a football signing. Sar and Basuma, there's there's a chance for one of those two or a little both of them to become you know. Perhaps the greatest African player in Tottenham's history, isn't it? If things if things continue the way they are, yeah. oh, hundred percent, yeah. I think that they 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 both could could well be. Let's hope so, yeah. And let's hope that Tottenham can keep it keep it going for a bit because it's a great story, um, and yeah, good for their fans as well. Thank you very much, Dan. I really appreciate you coming on Somali Made in Africa. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah loved it. Thank you. Thank Happy you to come on again soon. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll great to have you. Thanks very much. People. Oh, you will. You will be getting a recall. Don't you worry. Thank you. Yeah.